0: Before we start this week's episode, we want to remind you that until quarantine is over, we are remotely recording the podcast and uploading the episodes unedited from the comfort of our own homes. We encourage you to do the same and stay home unless completely necessary and enjoy listening to this episode of Pizza and a Pint. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of Pizza and a Pint. I am your designated driver, Kyle.
1: I am your had enough of this shit drunk Ryan.
2: I am drinking lemonade mix and vodka out of a protein cup.
3: Otherwise known as Jake McQuaid. (laughs) And I am your favorite funny drunk. And I mean like ha ha amuse you funny. (laughs) (laughs)
0: what's your name you haven't even said your name (laughs) otherwise known as aj (laughs) i did the same thing damn it (laughs) you know it was it was going well until started and i was like well we're out of order we're
1: we're breaking the pattern just once and and only this
2: thing called initiative which we Dang, should have like, all taken at the same time.
3: Yeah, when I rolled for initiative, I only got a 1. So I <laughs> got a net, That's true. 20,
2: but uh Listen, I episode, had a negative charisma modifier my first D&D character, so In this episode,
3: obviously... we're
0: continuing our three decades of movies that you can watch on Netflix right now. We're still in the 90s. Um I haven't even been born yet. Um <laughs> It's uh Goodfellas is the movie that we're talking about. 1990. I know that Bad Boys last week was from 95. We just didn't realize we should do them
1: in order. Ironically, okay. But we are doing them in alphabetical order now. Goodfellas is about
2: bad people and Bad Boys is about good people.
0: Well, Goodfellas is by Martin Scorsese, which I believe by it being a Martin Scorsese film is 10 times, if not more, better than a Michael Bay movie.
2: This is also based on a true story.
0: Also true. But, I mean, he's the one who takes creative direction, so um, he helps the story.
1: I I just got to say, for watching my first ever Martin Scorsese film in full, I'm glad it was this one, because it was a good time.
2: Kid, you've never seen The Fucking (laughs) Departed?
1: No, and that might be on the list for later, so... We've let's keep going.
3: Scorsese film, and we'll compare it to a new Scorsese film.
0: I was going to say The Irishman came out not too long ago.
3: Mm, the Irishman, too, yeah. yeah right. we also with Robert right, That's another. I was going to say it's, it's Joe Pesci, <laughs> De Niro again. Let's watch some new. Let's, let's watch some flesh blood there, kid. Thank God Ray Loyota's not in it
0: because looking at him now, it's. Ooh.
1: <laughs> Ray Loyota. Should, has not aged well. At we all. should
2: just watch Wild Hogs.
1: He isn't that. Anyway, so he is. He plays the villain biker who has a fight with Tim Allen's character. Martin
0: Lawrence is in Wild Hogs.
1: (laughs) Yes, he is. Before (laughs) before we really get started, I do want to apologize for last week confusing Martin Lawrence and Martin Short because I have a feel I should.
0: Okay, I know Jake pointed out it was racist. Is Martin Short short
2: even black? I get. I
1: get.
0: I I get the names confused, not the people it has nothing to do with looks okay
1: thank you so
0: oh, I, I don't apologize for that
1: where should we begin with goodfellas the i mean because it's a thrill ride i mean it's for me anyway we should
2: talk about the beginning and i'm not being
1: sarcastic
2: so they do a thing at the very beginning of the beginning of the movie. And Kyle might know this phrase, uh, in me, in media race, which means in the middle of things. So you start the movie and we have our three principal characters driving along in 1980, I think.
1: I, I think this part's in the 70s. Could be Is wrong. it in
0: the 70s? No, it's no? definitely in the 80s because he's, he's, he's had his family by then.
2: Yeah it's 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 cuz it gets revisited again at the end of the movie it mm-hmm. becomes an inciting factor for another character's demise and it just sort of very quickly introduces you to the brutal violence that's in this movie that isn't super it, frequent
3: it would have been post 70s it would have been late 80s i believe because no, no, no! It happened before they were in prison. So it'd have been before. It'd been before '70s. it have been the '60s. And it was uh, way
0: before '84 when the when it was the cocaine
2: stuff. Mm-hmm.
3: No, he,
0: I forgot to mention spoilers, but you already knew that.
2: Uh, um, <laughs> Henry Hill arrest.
3: That's the name I'm making. The '90s. He got. He got literally arrested.
0: Yeah, he got arrested again in the 90s, and then after that, he... Yeah. Uh,
2: Henry, uh, yeah. He he got probation for his 97 relapse.
0: But as as far as the starting in the middle of things goes, that is how you do... I wouldn't say correct storytelling, but better storytelling where it pulls people in because you are in the middle of stuff, which is kind of hard to really start at the beginning, beginning of things because you can go back for years and years. But um, yes, it is... Better to start in the middle of a situation like that
2: because no. mm-hmm. then you can do a flashback like they did like they jump back like
3: and 30 years. I, I liked it too because you, you had no idea who that person was or like what story. it was and with ga- with gangster movies you, you didn't even necessarily needed to know like it could have just been a no namer that they killed, but it ended up being the pivotal point in the actual movie that yeah, they killed the made man. Yeah, they, they, they killed the main man, a made man. And because of it, now it's fucked. They're fucked.
1: And so. let's also point out here that this, in media res, ends with what is probably the defining narration in film. More than anything in my life, I always wanted to be a gangster. Cue title. And that is where it begins.
0: It has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I
3: mean, it's
1: a brilliant film. Um,
3: it, it's definitely well shot. I will say it was a little bit bored, just at the is, beginning. It is. Yes. It is a long movie. Just because it was, it, it's building up all the info. But I like that about it too. Oh, yeah, it, it all pays off
1: by the end.
0: Where I remember it, too, we got to the part where it was like they got married and everything. And then when Karen and Henry get married, and it's just like I looked up at the clock because we had started, I think we had started at seven o'clock on the dot when we started watching it. And it was 8 p.m., and I was like, oh, there's another hour and a half to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so much yep. has happened and yet not happened at the same time.
2: All right. So many people die.
1: So. We are coming out of this in media res scene. And the first thing that we jump into is Henry Hill's introduction to the family, to the mafia, to the mob. And he's in high school. He's a truant punk. He's half Irish, half Italian. And he gets really invested in being this low level guy for the mob operation that runs out of the pizza parlor across the street. And he talks about this infatuation with the power and the wealth and the fast lane nature of the lifestyle all through this beautifully shot interlaced narration and conversations talking about him growing up and meeting Jimmy for the first time the man who becomes his best friend and sort of mentor.
2: And eventually (laughs) enemy.
1: Right. I myself and my brother pointed this out about the availability of period accurate materials. For me, I loved seeing, you know, 1950s era cars everywhere you look because to me that was, that's crucial. But then my brother points out, well, nineteen ninety. Might have been a little easier to acquire 50s or cars in 1990 than it would be like, say, now.
0: Because that's the equivalent of, say, we make a movie now and we're like, we want a 1980s pickup in it. You can get a 1980s pickup, no problem. It's it's Oof. that same, it's the same equivalent where it's it's a 40 year gap. You know, we're watching it 30 years later, which now would definitely be hard to get something like that. But yeah. yeah. Back then, no, it would probably be way more abundant.
1: <coughs> Bless you, sir.
2: <laughs> Kyle's like, I got to edit that out later now. <laughs> I probably
0: won't.
1: <laughs> um, so for me, writing in off of that, uh, you see the period cars, the the clothing, the, the set design... It keeps up with the times as it goes through the film. Because this film is covering almost three full decades of somebody's life. Actually, is it covering a little more? Uh, 55 to 87, is it? Or is it 55 to 84?
2: 55 to 80.
1: 55 to 80.
0: Well, no, because the, the thing near the end with the cocaine stuff was in 84. So it's, it's a like a 30. But he,
2: he, I'm looking at the wiki right now, but he did enter witness protection in 80.
0: Yes, oh. mm-hmm. but then, well,
1: just remember, gentlemen, this is they, a long they in... story. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be everything by the numbers. Yeah, but
0: the witness protection stuff was after the cocaine thing. when I was talking about the cocaine stuff in '84. So I don't think that's
3: right. Yeah, no, I mean the 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 Lufthansa heist uh, happened. Lufthansa, Lufthansa. Lufthansa, whatever. Lufthansa, whatever. Who gives a shit? Um. <laughs> I do. I fly with Tanza. Yeah. Well, I don't. come up, come up with an easier name to pronounce. Um, sounds too much like Luftwaffe, and that didn't work very well for us either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait for us? What country are you in right now? <laughs> Weren't they Germans? The oh, that yeah. were the.
2: Oh, okay. Fine. I Whatever.
3: thought that was right. bad. Never mind. I guess uh, no. But that <laughs> happened in '78. So that was like almost seventy nine when that happened, and then they took about a couple months to a year before they did anything about it. Um, so that was in nineteen eighty when he became the informant because that's when he got caught.
4: Hmm.
3: So, so, so about
2: twenty five to thirty years of where Yeah, sure, yeah. That's with the timeline,
4: yeah,
1: just a long time. It is. And going back to what I just said, that means it packs in a lot. There's a lot of information, a lot of buildup. That is something you, you have to remember and that they kind of remind you of throughout the film, which I appreciate. Uh, because if something happens, you don't remember all the facts about it. You have a very well-placed and written narration read by Ray Liotta to cover the bases.
2: Oh, yeah, I never felt lost at all during the movie. No, no. Um, even even without narration, in some parts. What the, just, fuck just are just these the, timelines? the Dialogue was so <laughs> well written where you could see where characters were coming from, even when there's like a uh, distinct passage of time.
0: The title sequence. It's like what?
1: <laughs> it Just to read the Wikipedia page.
0: No, it Wikipedia is wrong. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember the because I thought. The cocaine thing happened in '84. That makes. Well,
1: really they make sense. they did adjust. Remember, this is based on a true story. So, if you noticed, the name of the mobsters associated with the real Henry Hill are different than those in the movie. The timelines adjusted just a little bit to tweak but things accordingly I'm as well.
0: Off of the time cards in the movie,
1: I know you are. But if you look at the Wikipedia page for the Henry Hill in real life, remember, it's based on a true story. Names are changed. Things are adjusted. Because the book came out in 86, back when he was still in Witsack. So they had to change and alter things in the book and in the movie accordingly. Of course, the film came out in 1990, which is right after the real Henry Hill was released from Witsack.
3: Which is why he has... Uh, his face in the movie um as an extra a couple of times
1: really mm-hmm. well speaking of extras next step in there well, let's talk about casting for a minute Same. um what we see here is ray loyota robert de niro joe pesci the latter two are like scorsese's go-to dynamic duo for every mob
3: movie that he filmed after that. You also forget, you forget one big one, too. Paul Sorvino. Come on, man. Don't leave him hanging like that.
1: Paul
2: Sorvino? Yeah, he
3: was, he was, he was Paulie. Paul Cicero.
2: Oh! He's in other things?
3: He's in <laughs> lots of things. Uh, now,
1: I, I kind
2: of felt bad for Paulie. But...
1: I agree. I feel bad for Paulie, too.
0: Okay, I was wrong. The cocaine thing happened in 1980. Okay. <laughs> I so. thought it was 84. Never mind.
1: Okay, so it was 80 and was wrapped up by 81, States Evidence, etc., etc. Um, The
0: movie ends around 84. Okay.
1: So, back to casting for a minute. Something my brother did point out. Uh. Is it Scorsese's wife who played Joe Pesci's mom? Yeah. Yeah. Scorsese's wife played a minor role in this film. Um, Scorsese's so,
2: wife is adorable. I
3: oh. don't know if it was his wife. Okay, I we're going to check can. this out. Correction. Henry Hill was not in the film. Okay. Oh, okay. He was still in WITSEC at the time.
1: At the time of filming, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I see the pictures of them after when he was no longer it. Actually, uh, uh, for anybody
1: who does have the Wikipedia page open, uh, what was the name of the book that this film was based off of? For Catherine Scorsese, wise
0: guy, wise guy,
1: wise guy. yeah, Life wise guy. Okay, and Catherine Scorsese is not Scorsese's wife, but is Scorsese's mother. It's way too old. Scorsese's
2: Three. mom is super adorable, and I want to give her a hug.
1: I gotta say though, I I liked her supporting role because it's like here's just the you know just the Italian mom was looking out for her son, um, which I thought was actually pretty uh a pretty interesting dynamic to see in film. You know, being part of the generation that grew up with what didn't uh, uh, Soprano
3: went... Uh, so it it's weird that you bring that up, but before we like hop off of like the character of Tommy's mom, do you have no idea how close that is to my grandma, my dad's side? Yeah. That, that was literally her, like the same hairstyle, same mannerisms,
4: mm-hmm. like
3: a hundred percent. I still firmly believe she grew up in the, in the, in the family uh, because she was from Brooklyn. Uh, And she was um, the full Italian. so. I think that
1: also goes with the region and the culture too. Because I watched some of what you see going on in this. And it's very indicative of, even without the family and the mafia involved, it's very indicative of Italian culture. Like even if the dinner takes all day, it's 1030 at night. You're still going to eat the dinner you know, and I mean, dating somebody who comes from a, oddly enough, half Irish, half Sicilian family. Mm. Um, you do see some of those same mannerisms when you're at Thanksgiving dinner with the family matriarch who it's like, no, 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 Get out of the way. Get out of the way. I'm, I'm cooking this. You want more? You want more? Hey, don't forget that's over there. It's you- not you want more. It's, you look hungry. I'm gonna fill your plate yep. again. Manja, manja. I um, I think I have run afoul of similar things as to what we see the character Henry Hill get bombarded with. Is Henry you almost never? You almost never read anything. Eat something. You, you don't talk much. You don't eat much. What you know? Like, what's wrong with you? You you look sick. Eat more. I have almost run afoul of those types of conversations a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely does give you an idea of Italian American culture on top of, you know mob culture Mm -hmm. i think just echoing your point Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it's
3: just it's interesting
1: yeah i i also think it was interesting to sort of get a tour of uh home entertainment systems from 1955
3: to 1980 what do you mean that was kind of yeah i mean that was a trip and a half
1: Because you see, 1955, there's no TVs. I mean, everybody's got a radio. There's a lot of, you know, you see some scattered around, but there's a lot of people who still have just the radio. Hmm. Then by, you know, the late 70s, things are on the up and up for Henry. They've got this TV stereo recorder entertainment system that, like, these panels slide off the wall with a button press and it's revealed. Um so I, I got a kick out of seeing that sort of evolution of like household tech a little bit, just because I was a history yeah. major and I'm interested in the 20th century. Um, so that oh. was kind of fun to see that, along with the film that moves along almost three full decades.
4: Yeah, so, life.
2: I was going to say that that's, that does a lot for illustrating, I think, the progress of the character, too. Mm-hmm. because henry does become more sophisticated as the movie goes on and then I mean, his his big fall at the end happens because he's trying to become his own Polly, basically mm-hmm. he's trying to become his own boss by the end and then he steps in the shit and that's that
1: or more specifically
3: uh, by dealing
1: yeah or more specifically a big it. pile of blow
3: Well, I I mean, that's also due to a big necessity for him. They can't Mm -hmm. take money from the family when they were in prison because it can directly tie to the family. So each family that goes to prison, their family is taken a step away from the entire family kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So he really did try to turn a profit and support his family while all of his drug money was gone. Uh, Well, it wasn't even drug money at the time. He wasn't even in drugs at the time. In prison? Yeah, no, 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 no. He was prison, dealing in prison for no, no, sure. B- before prison. no, oh, okay. He, he didn't really get into it yet because he was making plenty of money from all the other jobs that they were pulling. It was...
1: Extortion, robbery, et cetera. Yeah,
3: the, the classic mobster act. But no, the big issue is when he got in there, his entire family, his wife and kids didn't have money to survive because all their money was spent pretty quickly, because you, you had to turn it quick in that lifestyle.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: because mm. of that, he was dealing in prison uh, in order to try and pay for uh, you know, the family and take care of the family. And right. he, knew, he knew it was definitely against Paulie's orders, um, but he needed to do something. And unfortunately, he starts doing it, and then he gets hooked on it, and then... He starts he was, to fall apart. He starts less to fall Less and less apart. organized. Exactly. It it essentially shows that while it is kind of unfortunate, but kind of deserved that he went to to prison, that's kind of where things fell apart, because he didn't trust in the family. um, They didn't do anything, and because of that, they got into drugs. Yeah, He got into drugs, which was what got him caught
2: here's the weird thing and I, I liked this twist that they did is that he was the one to bring Tommy and Jimmy in on the cocaine thing because up until that point up until he's in prison he's always the one that's passive right mm-hmm. he's always kind of going along with what Tommy and Jimmy are doing he doesn't like the killing that happens he's very clearly opposed to it
3: or um, you mean when they wipe house for the um Lift, uh, for the after the
4: Lufthansa,
3: Lufthansa
2: but even even when they kill uh what what's his name? It starts with an S. Spider in the bar when Joe Pesci ices Spider for busting his balls. That,
1: uh that was Billy
3: Bats. No no, no, no. he no no he it, Oh it was, that's right. he, Spider. The, the spiders, young bartender guy. Yeah, the one he shot, shoots in the foot and then literally yes. he gets he gets smarter. Like with a them. day later,
2: just yeah. blows him away. But like you see him in that in that state, right, and you can see like in this character, there's sort of this there's this realization that not everything that goes on with the family is okay. Mm-hmm. and then he starts he starts crossing that line more and more, but he never quite gets to the place that uh that Jimmy's at, right or that Tommy went or that Tommy went, so he kinda, he manages to pull back. It, when it ultimately really matters when well it's- he
3: he was never a wet man he yeah. he he never killed anyone hmm. that was one of the the big things is he wouldn't he wouldn't do that he says it's seeing people die every day that's just a part of the life, but he himself didn't go out of his way to do any hits yeah well,
4: um, and, in fact, I, the
3: first that he was involved in was uh essentially billy Billy bats, yeah yeah,
2: and what was it with uh I don't know if he was a a captain or, or not, the guy with the white hair. You can and and then later with Murray, you can see him clearly making an effort to get these people to back off to save their own skin and it just doesn't work.
1: Oh right, Maury. Murray uh, and, Maury uh,
2: and and the guy that, that uh Tommy kills the the uh the made man that Tommy kills. Billy Bats. Yeah. Billy bats both times he's really go. I don't know if this is an artistic Liberty taken because it it creates, it it makes the arc more concrete. And I really like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting take that he he was just doing what he wanted, but he didn't, he still had the ultimate good in mind. Like he didn't want people to get hurt. Mm. Um, Like He he would, I mean, don't want people to die. He understood people have to take a beating every now and again, but he didn't, He did have a respect for life and I think that's kind of where he really picked up on everything I love how they try and like show you like and that's when I knew I was a dead man that's when I knew that person was gonna die Mm -hmm. Um, like things like that you're like well he's been in it so he he gets the actual mentality but he's doing everything he can to try and prevent it
4: Hmm.
1: not to say anything about his uh, his own marital situation (laughs)
3: That's, that's another part thing. Of life he still fully embraces.
1: So that, that marital thing with the, Janice. Mm-hmm. Janice and then
2: Sammy. I, I didn't leave. Like Sammy, I saw where that was coming from because there are scenes establishing yeah. some sort of attraction between the two of them.
0: It's Sandy. But Janice is in like, Sandy, one, thank you.
2: Is in like one scene, I think, where she's at the club with the whole group and she's talking about how somebody could fall in love with a singer somewhere. And she's supposed to be there with Tommy on a date. And that, this,
4: wasn't th-
3: that wasn't Janice. That, that wasn't was some, Janice. No. So who was Janice? Where did she come from? Janice was just a, a floozy. Just, it, just, it was, uh, was, was the same
0: scene, but it was just that Janice was romantically hanging out with Henry.
3: Yeah. J- Janice was in there that whole time. It wasn't Karen. Like that was the only confusing thing for me. It was trying to track when he was with his wife and when
2: he wasn't. Yeah, it was jarring. It was it was weird because everything else is executed so well that one element is just out of place. Like it would have been smoother, I think, if they were just like, "Oh, Andy had an affair, and she's an unnamed character, and she's not
1: particularly well." Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. I
0: I think it was a reason for Karen to go over the top and like have fights with.
3: Henry and
0: like point the gun at his face when he wakes up in bed in the morning and Oh no,
3: that actually happened. That was in the book.
1: Yeah.
0: I know, but it's just like for the movie's sake, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You're gonna have to define things a little bit. And with something like an affair, which and one that gets to the stage that it gets to with Henry, that Polly gets called in on, that Jimmy gets called in on by Karen. You know, it's supposed to be jarring. It's supposed to be out of place, I feel, in how that storytelling goes. Because mm-hmm. it's not really supposed to happen, and then it kind of clicks, and then it does.
0: Karen's whole side of her, of her perspective in the movie leads up to that moment where she goes, you know, psycho, and... Um, Quote, unquote. ...holds him at gunpoint as, like, the whole thing where she's hanging out with all the other wives and they're talking about how, you know, their husbands could kill them at any, at any turn or hurt them in any turn. When we know that Henry, like you said before, Jake is passive, you know, that's when things are weirder for them because things are all hunky-dory with them. And then when Henry goes and does, you know, gangster BS. You know, that's <laughs> what would cause her to go over the edge because he didn't really establish dominance in the household well.
4: Hmm.
1: At least in the sense that what was expected of him, yeah. let's say. Um,
2: yeah. Un, un, unclear expectations, yeah.
1: But then again, you also see the dichotomy that the two pe- that the two characters in the film have and that quite possibly the real henry and karen do have when he doesn't go to the second date and she's like how dare you stand me up she walks out of the car See, and she lights him up i thought that entire scene was hilarious in front of the whole crew if you want to talk about a, a, like an argument that's beautifully shot in film that's it the camera angles are juxtaposed in just the right position you have the car that jumps the curb and they just start going back and forth at each other. He's like, Hey, I thought you were going to stand me up. Like, what do you mean? Going back and forth, back and forth. And I it- didn't even
2: want to be there to fucking begin.
1: with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. And they're going back and forth and back and forth. And you have this sort of uh dueling narration between both uh, actor and actress to pair with the characters too, hmm. in that scene. And then that's where they really hit it off. And it continues from there.
0: I have to say, talking about the narration for a second, I thought that Karen's narration was really unnecessary. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's Henry's story, yet all of a sudden, oh, so no, we have a perspective from Karen now, which I understand for like plot purposes. But it's just like, it's in a third of the movie, and then it's over, and then we're done in that perspective. And it's just like, what what... What was the point? All we learned from her narrative is that she is attracted to dangerous men, and that um, what it's like being a mother in in a gangster family. That's all we learned from her narration. So it's just and like
2: that she, she doesn't trust Henry very much from the get go, and that right. that kind of It's not so much stated again, but I mean I can't even remember any specific narration after that first time that she spoke in the narration
1: uh, there were because few, it was that unremarkable, but
2: the wedding, it, there's definitely a through line that she has never trusted him this entire time.
0: I think it was <laughs> up until she held him at gunpoint in the bed. That's when her narration was over hmm. and they stopped doing narration for her after that.
1: Well, I think that's also something about the next step in the film. It's like how TV series, with every season, there might be a different tilt um, or a different so story.:.
0: Totally I
1: you know, I get it, but it's supposed to be one phase of their life has come crashing to an end, and now we move on to the next. as eventually, Karen gets a little more involved and a little more involved, eventually the point where she's dumping drugs down the toilet for him to save both their skins which backfires horribly. Does
3: it though? I don't think it really does. I just think it, he was in, a, in such a place f- freaking out, being like, we've got no money. We've got no, no connections. They, they found yeah. out everything. You, the only thing we have going for us is the 60K that I have stashed away with the drugs. And she's like, we don't got no more drugs. I flushed them because it was super fucking obvious where you hid them.
4: Yeah.
3: Like, they would have easily been found. And, and, so he, and he was just like, no, they wouldn't have. Don't say that. Don't. They would have been in danger for snitching if, they, if those drugs had been found.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's be real. I,
3: he, well, he was still in tro- was, trouble for snitching yeah. anyway.
1: Yeah, because yeah, Jimmy didn't even need proof that he was. Jimmy was convinced that he would crack.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why Jimmy was trying to set him up to go to Miami. I was like, hey, there's this guy in Miami. I, I need you to go deal with him.
3: Yeah, it was and, more and of like, I need you to disappear and never yeah. come back, um, is what would have happened. You yeah. do
0: have your egg noodles with Jimmy.
3: <laughs> Jimmy,
2: his character is really cool because he's,
3: he's honestly. He's, I wouldn't say he's cool. He's, he's a horrible, horrible oh, no, no,
2: person. No. He is a horrible person, but his arc is cool in that when he's introduced, he's a very level headed guy. Who engages in criminal enterprises right at first and then you see because he he moderates Tommy in when when T- Tommy kills shoots spider in the foot the first time and then eventually kills spider Tommy's the, Jimmy's the first one that goes dude what the fuck basically yeah right and and that kind of it's there it's not the focus of, of the movie but it's there. And then you get to the point where Tommy gets whacked, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the left-hand uh, thing happens, right? And you can see he's starting to crack. Maybe uh, Tommy's starting to rub off on him a little bit, because as we all know, Tommy's really trigger happy. And then once Tommy dies, it's like all bets are off. He doesn't trust any, anybody now, because what's basically his kid, right? His, not his literal kid but his criminal uh, protege, somebody that he's been hoping uh, to be eventually turned into a made man is now just gone. All of his hard work is destroyed. All he wants to do is have it all for himself.
1: At least that's sort of what I got
2: out of it. But.
1: I agree. I, and the, you mentioned the, the character arc for the character of Jimmy in the film. And that reminds me as to how Polly describes uh, even Tommy in the beginning, or and I think Polly also describes Jimmy in the beginning too, because he talks about Tommy. He's like Tommy's a cowboy with something to prove. He's always pulling the gun out. And, you know, he goes on and on about that. He talks about Jimmy being sort of the uh, the wild card. He's like he's got a good head on his shoulders, but he's too rough sometimes. He needs to calm down a little. He Needs to come down a little. He's too much sometimes. Hmm. Um, and I do agree that once his protege, who's gonna be made, gets whacked in a poker room, um,
2: a, kid, a kid he's been raising,
1: uh, a kid, raising a, a, a person who he basically raised, yeah, um, in the family. Uh, I, I mean that. I agree that is when you really see him get to the point where he. He doesn't trust anybody more. The one thing he trusts is money in hand. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say though, I uh, the the demise of Tommy as he becomes increasingly more of the cowboy as he goes. I think that also goes to say something about kind of like. What the mob was Because yes it was violent Yes there were instances of violence But there was a uh, How should we say There was a point at which they would not condone it Killing a made man Sort of this unnecessary trigger pulling That Tommy does Um,
3: Well Tommy was a loose cannon to begin with Right He he 100% was established as The old school tough guy Which is why they had Joe Pesci play him
1: Because Joe
3: Pesci was the pivotal 90s wise guy tough guy and in today's day and age that wouldn't fly because he's so small and wouldn't actually do shit (laughs) um so that's what i thought was kind of cool to see the old style mentality meet Mm -hmm. the new style of today because you could have been five foot nothing and been the toughest guy on the street and no one want to cross you napoleon yep uh, napoleon wasn't even five foot he was he was what fi- uh he was, napoleon five, was like five, four. five? yeah i was gonna say he's like five five like he was pretty tall for his um nationality re- yes yeah, his, his nationality and region
1: <laughs> he was pretty oh, tall he was, about, uh, he was about average height for a corsican
0: you know and then after you get whacked by the mob you uh you become a lawyer so
3: that's
1: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say lawyer. wasn't wasn't okay, pesci's what? next movie after this um my cousin Vinny.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and he played the similar character, except just not violent because he was trying to practice law, even though he wasn't actually a lawyer. Listen,
2: lawyers are violent. He,
1: he barely passed the bar after his seventh attempt in that movie.
3: But that's another movie. Well, yeah, for another he didn't. Game. He barely passed at the end. He didn't even pass the bar when he was going in.
1: No, no, no. He did. He just faked his history as an attorney to make him sound like a big shot. He had oh, passed I, I the bar, he, but he was a personal injury lawyer.
3: I thought he was going under someone else's name. You don't need to be a big yeah, shot. Yeah, fa- he was trying to
1: falsify I quick was bar.
3: Jeanette. In my cousin Vinny, he's a
1: practicing attorney, but he does insurance and personal injury. But he goes in under a false name and tries to build up his record to make it sound like he's this big shot from New York it's, it's who knows what his, he's doing. It's
0: not his bar exam that was faked. It was um.
1: It was his, uh, resume. Was his case record? <laughs> case record and resume that was fake yeah oh yeah because he never won a case at least right. a tried case everything else he had settled out which I've never seen this movie I've only seen like
2: the court scenes
4: what our professors,
2: our professors always tell us to imitate Joe Pesci as much as we can
0: well when uh when we're done with this series maybe we'll
1: just have to watch my cousin video. <laughs> we videos. might need to do yeah. like our we might each need to pick a favorite film and have to do that I think yeah
3: FYI, Goodfellas, he already had an established role doing other things like Lethal Weapon. Um, and then after this movie, his I'm next direct movie. movie was Home Alone. Oh, yeah. So yeah.
0: After being a kidnapper, attempted kidnapper, then you
3: mm-hmm.
0: start being a lawyer. That makes sense. What a come up in story.
3: <laughs> right?
1: Um, yeah. But I, I, I think for me, uh, oh, wasn't the scene where it all really started falling apart. They were using the, um, that really long sort of uh, piano guitar duet from uh, the Eric Clapton song. was it, No, Derek and Domino's, the, the classic song Layla. Um, wasn't that the one where it ended, you know, the song ended and then it was the day of Tommy's uh day of Tommy's becoming the made man, and then the song ends, and they talk about, you know, hey, he he he's a good fella, you know, he, he's a good people, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And then the music stops. And that's when they go into the house and they walk into the card room. He just goes, ah, oh, fuck. They shoot him, and then Jimmy goes ah oh, you know I I got to go call him I got to go call him he goes out there and then that's when it all unravels and
3: that I think I think that's when Jimmy unravels yeah like, that's when Jimmy unravels I think
0: and honestly it all started after the heist when everyone was buying stuff with their money oh, after yeah. Jimmy told them don't buy shit until after like a few wait.
1: weeks
3: yeah wait a couple of months then yeah. then start doing it like, and
1: even be- Henry does it too I bought the most expensive tree they had, which, to be
0: honest, like that's
1: that's normal.
0: That's okay, like you know, right. going that, out and that's what's
3: still a within a like your normal.
0: Or a, you know,
2: <laughs> a, a,
3: a fur that, coat.
0: That's a, that's no. different.
3: That, that's uh, explainable. That's a family man saving up a little bit of extra cash during Christmas. Yeah, that's easily explainable. Having twenty k dumped into a car or ten k dumped into a mink fur coat. That's not going to happen. $100 on a tree, though, yeah. that'll happen. Um, yeah. Notice that um, it was all reasonable stuff that you'd
4: think yeah, that they would buy, true.
3: which I thought that was really funny that they tried to show that off in the film at that point. It was like, yeah, don't buy anything. And the very next scene, I bought the most expensive thing they had. It was right. still only 50 bucks, but you know how. Yeah.
2: But, yeah. Right. But the, you know, the thing is that shows he's savvy, but he's also yeah, excited it, about the score. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: think that... Oh, actually, now thinking about the use of song layla, so much good character work in this movie. Just agreed. agreed. It was a Casting lot of was great good. Character characters work.
3: were very well written. They're all really well developed too, in like their their personas and oh, everything yeah. like that. Like, I knew right out of the bat, Joe Pesci was going to be that guy just because I knew he. That's the kind of character he played. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the best line is still like, "What do you mean, ha ha? You mean funny?"
4: Like,
1: uh, I don't know, man. You're just uh, you're just a funny guy. <laughs>
3: And what, he you just the okay. Okay, what What am I like am I like a clown do I amuse you like he's just busting his balls but he's being so serious about it like I could kill you motherfucker like right now Yep. that, that was the tone going into it for me I'm like he's gonna betray someone and get someone killed uh, and I knew Jimmy right off the bat was a loose cannon he can't handle pressure so he's just gonna wipe house and sure enough that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. and I'm like alright that all makes sense now what was it?
4: Um, I, I think, think I compl- I was... I,
2: I can't believe that in knowing each other for 15 years that Henry never once said to Tommy, you're a funny guy.
1: <laughs> like after the, the ball busting in the restaurant, how that never came up No, again. I mean,
2: the, the way it's... <laughs> Sorry, never mind.
1: Well, it's, just,
2: well, it's just a little bit awkward to me, it seems like. It doesn't seem like an exchange... Like, the rest of the movie leans <clears> into <throat> the fact that they've known each other for so long, mm. right? When he makes that remark, it's not like they're... It's more of... Just friends. They've known each
3: other forever. So why does he fucking fall for him, is what it? I th- because he knows that, that his friend is unstable. he He's literally watched his, his friend... Uh, borderline kill people for insulting him um like he he's that's just who joe pesci is he's the tough guy he's the one that you'd never fuck with and you don't say anything bad about so if he takes something as a great offense you apologize and be like hey look this is what i meant meant no offense i'm sorry it was a great story like that's kind of how it's supposed to be played out that's the kind of character he's playing and even though, he- we, because he's known him so long, he's like, I'm just fucking with you. I'm like, busting you, boss. I got you, though, right? Then mm. he pulls out his gun and does it again, which really leans into the fact that he's an unstable character mm. who might do anything, even with friends. And then he,
0: as he continues to laugh and smashes, <laughs> smashes a glass on that guy's head, who's uh. <laughs> he telling him, hey, you owe this guy money.
3: Was that there in that same scene? I thought that yes. was yeah. There's okay. the
1: the opening restaurant scene. Now I think what Kyle was mentioning though was uh, the the film itself has lived on now in a meme.
0: No, well, it's not. It's Ray not Liotta's not laughing, name, but I didn't realize that scene it was like the was that oh, he he does laughing. it in Wild the I thought it was from a completely different movie, but no, it came from that. I didn't realize. Yeah.
2: Let me yeah. see if I can find... I think he does
1: it in Wild Hogs
2: again on purpose. Wait, well, he was in
3: Wild Hogs? Oh, yeah, he was the bad guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was the bad guy biker in Wild Hogs. Um, now, one thing I did want to get to in this film, and I think about this now, because we're seeing this movement in film to see soundtracks that are composed of music, not just the soundtrack you get what I mean? Like, not the orchestral score or anything like that, but it's like the Guardians, the Galaxy movies, for example, are set to a compilation album of some of the greatest hits of the 80s and the 70s. Well, I'm starting to wonder here. There are all these people who are talking about how this is this new thing that we're seeing. Didn't Scorsese just write the book on that with his mobster films? I mean, even look at the soundtrack for... It's
3: every film that he's directed.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like Scorsese wrote the book on that technique.
3: But it's, then it's we're a, just
1: like, oh no, look at this new thing.
3: It's because what? the generation that understood that is not the online generation. It is the That's generation fair. that doesn't understand computers. So they, they, they're not as in it as we are today and, and talking about it. Well, you know, I They'll mean, talk about it with their friends and be like, oh, it was such a great thing we're all old enough now to understand the songs that were played in the movies now and actually look back on our childhoods and be like, oh, that was a good song selection. You know, yeah. my personal favorite was actually even done in a Marvel movie. It was done in um, Thor, um, the Ragnarok movie. Yeah. The soundtrack to that, fantastic, yeah. Except, yeah. For like, yeah. like, except for like two songs. Two songs yeah. were out of place, in my opinion. But they kind of made sense, but I just didn't like them. Uh, they didn't blend well for me. That's was- was but the, the Monk
2: theme song in there? The Monk theme song?
3: No, no, it was the kind of like baseline instrumental kind of thing um, that they had for when they were in uh, Sakara Sakaro I can't no, I remember. remember. I Whatever follow what it is. Yeah, but it, essentially it was the background music there. It, just, it wasn't my jam. The synth yeah. but, wave well, stuff? Yeah, the synthwave stuff—the
0: stuff stuff that I enjoy. Not everybody's into Daft
1: Punk (laughs) and the and the Tron. I mean, but but Uh, Daft
0: Punk's not synth.
3: I do like I do like synthwave, like more like the techno-heavy kind of better beats to it. But this was just like someone on a synthesizer doing nothing but like typing four things and making it over and over again. It just to me it got boring and repetitive, Hmm. um, and it kind of annoying, especially since they decided to use that same music for the credits or the um. Pre movie screens because yep. I had I had bought it. That was annoying. Uh, aside from that, though, their music selection fantastic. My personal favorite is the immigrant song, uh, mixed in with Thor getting his full powers, like or understanding his full powers. That alone would, like blew me away. Like that's what Scorsese does in his films, at every scene and tries to integrate it into the movie. Yeah,
1: and I I think I mean. I'm a blues fan, so for me, the use of the out the long outro from Layla with the that sort of pitched sad guitar with that very long drawn out epic piano solo is magnificent in its own way and is that song about the downfall after this high point. That really shows a great
3: transition in the film. Mm. I would agree. Man, just looking at Scorsese's film history, I think I've enjoyed almost every single film I've seen him in.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Guy was a gigantic perv. No, wait. I'm thinking of Hitchcock. Never mind. No, I'm just thinking. Wow, okay. Um, I, I, I admit that I, I'm i an idiot and
1: confuse names a lot, but you just insulted.
3: Like, come on, man.
1: Like, <laughs> you just insulted Scorsese. <laughs> That's
3: true. I did. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, uh, production value. Albert per- Hitchcock was a massive pervert, though. Okay, we're not talking about Hitchcock, though. We're talking about Scorsese.
0: Production value for the movie. Um, you know, it, it wasn't anything like too stylistic. I wouldn't say Martin Scorsese, you know, taps too much into style. But, I mean, you know. I, I don't watching, know. I would I would say he does. If Scorsese movie, you know it's a Scorsese movie. But, I mean, one of the things that stood out the most to me, well, there were two things. There was one, it was he led into a lot of scenes with audio, some with the soundtrack, some with other, you know, sounds involved. Um, I can't remember certain ones off the top of my head. But um, the other one was the scenes where it would introduce... The gangsters, how it was just one long, long take, yeah. one long, one take. And then um, when they'd introduce every character and like the character would give a greeting. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting like choice yeah. as well.
3: Yeah. I mean I think his his main like filmmaking style for me was just seeing his slow motion and freeze framework. Mm-hmm. Like he does that a lot. Yeah. I, I also
1: mean, I also notice that with Scorsese, it's about the appropriate angle to enhance the storytelling. He doesn't use the camera to tell the story; he lets the actors tell the story, and he uses the camera to accentuate what they're doing on screen.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's all I think.
2: So, can I just jump in real quick on something that Kyle mentioned?
4: Mm-hmm. So sure. that
2: that long take that you're talking about, where whenever they introduce, you know, big groups of. Of uh, family members
3: Paulie uh, and
2: Yeah Paulie and Paulie and Peter Paul and,
3: and Petey and Pete and Peta.
2: But what, when they do that In the bar I and I'm, I'm only start, just starting to think about it now But there's a, a little bit of a tech To each one of those characters And how they greet you The mm-hmm. camera And obviously not all of these guys get character development no. But mm-hmm. if you think about it Almost all those characters in that bar shot are dead by the end of the movie. know,
4: mm-hmm.
2: yep. because Jimmy fucking wipes them out, and it's a it's a good way of like uh, I guess building an audience rapport with characters that you don't get to observe very much.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And It was kind of uh, like Samuel L. Jackson's character endearing. had, yes. like, uh, literally ten seconds of screen time. Yeah, five, five seconds. Funeral. Yeah. That but was he's, he's
2: established so well so quickly, it's like, oh man, I actually kind of feel bad for that guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Or you do have the the funnier guys who end up I think it was uh the other guy. Then there was Timmy two times. They called two times because he said everything two times. For his character. I'm gonna go get the I'm gonna go get the papers. Uh get the papers. <laughs> you know, and, and those are the guys <laughs> who they don't get involved with Jimmy towards the end, but these are the guys who they're open to say, Yeah, he got he got picked up for freaking tax evasion or, or so-and-so is in jail for 20 years because they were dealing Coke, you know, that sort of thing.
4: Mm. Yeah.
3: No, I mean, I thought, I don't know. I, I thought it was good the way that they did that though, because it, it was just trying to show you a specific part of the family yeah, and not necessarily everyone. It just gave you enough of a taste to be like, Oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's family there. There's well-known ticks and people there kind of thing.
0: I also enjoyed that when they filmed cars or like people in cars while they were driving, it was for real on the streets with some sort of camera rig that they set up. It wasn't like on green screen or anything like that. It was legitimately. And you can tell because as you're watching the uh, windshield from the outside, you can see the trees moving past On the (laughs) windshield and the sky moving on the windshield So that's how you know Because in a lot of modern TV and stuff When they do it on the green screen There is no windshield in the car Didn't
2: didn't Scorsese do that in Taxi Driver too? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch all of Taxi Driver. i seen it, the important
0: part. It, it was He's all done all in, all in
3: one movie like that. He's probably done them in
2: all
0: yeah. those movies.
3: <laughs> the, the main idea behind that was to a reduce uh, extra production value if you didn't yeah. have to spend the money, and it was also to provide realistic effects. Hmm.
4: Um, so,
1: thinking now about the importance of his camera work and the importance of characters and juxtaposition and the right angles. I did just remember the one scene that for me really struck a chord. It's the final narration or part one of the final narration before he, before Henry starts talking about, I'm just one of the schmucks now. I'm just one of the regular guys who is sitting around waiting there as their life goes by in front of them. You know, that's, you know, it's talking about how I I I can't get any good food out here either. But
3: spaghetti and meatballs and I got, Egg noodles and ketchup. Ketchup.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, we had spaghetti and meatballs for dinner tonight, and I just started laughing because from now on, I will only ever be able to think about that line while I eat spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. It's very satisfying. It's the only one ever.
0: But are you talking about the fourth wall break?
1: Yes. That is probably one of my favorite fourth wall breaks ever, and I've seen a few because he's narrating his downfall how this world is coming to a screeching halt for him in one decision that he made to protect himself and his family. And then after a certain point, the defense attorney is just asking questions and talking to him. The narration keeps going. And then all of a sudden you see Henry, or sorry, you see Ray Loyota stand up from the witness stand and he walks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. And he walks right up to the camera and I, I just had a moment there like, wait a minute. Because it was so fluid, it well, was
3: so, and that was. I, I think that was also more uh, an idealist, idealistic or style choice.
0: The, yes. Plus, Shakespearean, is what it is. The reason why it was so fluid, and the reason why, because to me it was confusing at first until right at the end when you can clearly see the fourth wall break. You know when the when he's getting interrogated or interviewed or whatever, when he's getting asked questions in the court, um, they start off with angles, not quite dead center on him, but it's just like a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. So you wouldn't really realize it. And then when they do the center thing and he gets up and walks around, he's like, Oh, this is weird. He's getting up, but he kind of, because it's in motion it doesn't look like he's looking right at the camera. It kind of looks like he's looking at somebody else. But then once when they stop at the end and he's dead staring at the camera, that's when you are like, oh, okay.
3: That. And that's how yeah. it flows so well. I, I, yeah, for me, it didn't feel like a fourth wall break. I, I thought that was more done as immersive to make you feel like the people he was pointing out um, sitting in the, in the, the bar or mm-hmm. the uh, courtroom with them. A kind parlor. Of, uh, that,
1: that, I, can't, I don't know if it's called a parlor I mean, or not but
3: um, uh, te- technical
0: can, terms though it is a fourth wall break because he's uh, looking directly at the camera and talk. you can
3: definitely uh, I just considered it more of a thrust yeah
2: you can definitely see that fourth wall break or whatever Andrew is calling it as being well as symbolically pointing out the audience to the court Mm. because in a lot of ways this movie is an indictment of society right because he he wants to do what he wants to do and for better or worse and i think in this case mostly for the better society doesn't want him to let want to let him do the things he wants to do um yeah i mean but but people bend to him people who aren't involved bend to him they don't stand up to do the things that they should be doing. Like, Maury shouldn't have been involved
1: in this at all. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but because like for, he set it up, he was the tip.
3: He had to have his money. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because that's another thing that I see in a lot of Scorsese films is his ties to uh, looking at almost like the, the corruption in, uh, in kind of the political system. And for them, it was really showing off the gangster corruption. And of the uh, police. And of the police they bought and police off so many times in this movie
4: mm-hmm.
3: it was it was easy. you just had a you know nice stack of cash tuck it in their pocket. all all said sudden good.
1: And then by the end of it you have a narcotics officer from the DEA just gun in his face freeze motherfucker and he had I mean just you see even that evolution in like how law enforcement cleans up and changes from the 50s to 1980. Is also yeah. a really good shift as along that's with real. That of society that's, that is
2: real. That is that is that shift is real. Like I mean, now it'd be way easier to catch somebody for for uh, bribing a police officer than it ever would have been in 1950 mm-hmm. or 1970 or even 1980.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It'd have been very difficult to catch anything because there's nothing recorded. Like they even bring it up how one of the main mobsters doesn't didn't even want a phone in his house so mm-hmm. they could never tap him. Um. Yeah. So, like, that was one of the big things. Like, they knew that there were still ways that they can get them, but th- there's ways around it. And it wasn't until later on when you really can't buy the entire narco squad that you're you're fucked.
0: When mm-hmm. your entire life is ruined by a babysitter who,
3: right, <laughs> a, d- a dumbass babysitter who literally all she had was one job to get like a quarter. And not used not use the house phone <laughs> yeah no but the other issue is they probably still could have got them on a lot of things even if she didn't use the house phone Yeah, uh, they, you know they probably tapped all the phones around
1: oh yeah, yeah. actually um, thinking about the conclusion of the film there was one other thing that did strike me as interesting when he opens the door to get the papers picks it up off his step and you stand in the bathroom and slippers and he has the vision of uh Tommy pulling the trigger.
4: Yeah. On
1: the 38. I like I, I thought that, that was an interesting juxtaposition of how on the one hand, he'll always kind of be worried about getting whacked, but I mean, I think there's an interesting storytelling element where it's his best friend who's been dead for years who's doing it.
3: hmm It it's just weird. That I mean his best friend wasn't dead for years at that point. His best friend was recently murdered. Pretty much. Uh, Literally, when his buddy died, that's when they, the shit hit the fan for them. Yeah. There, there's um, definitely
2: suppo- uh, I think there's definitely a juxtaposition they're trying to make there, but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. necessarily it.
0: Yeah. We don't. We don't have much time left. But I do have to ask a question. What was up with the scene where Jimmy's talking with Karen? This is when Henry's all in a, all in a, gone to shit, mm-hmm. um, and he has her walk down the street to the yeah. store. What was that?
3: She was gonna get killed.
2: Yeah, that, oh, okay. that they were setting up a killing room. Okay. Yeah. What they, they they,
3: were doing. When she walked by and saw the room that they were in, they literally had an empty box that they just opened up and emptied out things that weren't dresses. And so when she saw that it was dark and no one else was there and it was just a bunch of guys, she's like, Nope, I'm gone. Yeah. Uh and so she knew that she was about to have been either kidnapped, raped, or murdered. Um, so and possibly
2: they, all three. <laughs>
3: possibly all three, and maybe not in the order that you'd think. Um,
2: really, but I was, I was going getting murder, murder, yeah, murder no. kidnapped then, right?
3: Yeah, no, so my thought is I don't, I don't know if this is a thought, but something I wanted to talk about was I grew up on kind of like comedies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that this really reminds me of, and I'm pretty sure it's because it's probably a ripoff of that movie, but Johnny Dangerously is oh God i just i couldn't stop seeing johnny yeah, dangerously as, as as ray and i'm just sitting there like this is this is just that it's just that film but like the real version yeah <laughs> and,
1: i am yeah, um, is- i i had always um how should I put it i was always interested with the impact of mobster mo- movies on society like for example uh the mafia games never played them probably never will but I still think they're interesting in how they're a tribute to mob films. You played Mafia 3. I did not. You kept talking to me about it. Because I thought there were some things in there that were fascinating in new takes. Because oh. it was no longer a tribute to the Italian mobster film. It was a tribute to something along the lines of American Gangster with Denzel Washington. It was totally different. Because the first game was like a tribute to the Godfather trilogy. The second game was a tribute to Goodfellas. Hmm. there's even a character in there named henry
0: michael keaton looks so different i'm looking at um, the movie posters from oh yeah <laughs> he looks and so then different. you have
1: the third game which is a tribute to um in some ways american gangster and looks into the black mob um but of course you know the italian mob is present in all of them because the italian mob was everywhere but anyway um, you know, so just for me, getting to watch one of the films that sort of defined how we look at mob and mafia culture and criminal culture is very interesting. And for one, I I now want to see the Godfather trilogy more because I feel like that it pieced together the whole sort of idea and how the story is told as well. And that's even a pure work of fiction, of fiction.
3: So, so th- this is kind of interesting. I didn't even I didn't even know this. Johnny Dangerously was made in nineteen eighty four. I yep. thought it came after. So it was huh. actually before this film and a lot of it shows a lot of parallels. Like that whole um going back and re- retelling the story thing, like starting somewhere in way in the story and then being like, Oh, let's go all the way back. Yeah. That's exactly how the Johnny Dangerously Interesting. starts. Like exactly. Um So I'm kind of curious to see if they wrote some of their book off of that because that happened also before they finished their, published their book because the book was published in 85.
4: Mm.
3: And this was just a a comedy crime drama kind of thing. And it was, it was stupid and hilarious, but it was stupid. But that's just kind of, it blows my mind now thinking about it, you know, how interesting that this gets yeah i i also th- i also
1: um when they did that opening scene with the car right before they took the guy out and you had henry jimmy and tommy all lined up i just turned my brother and go this looks like the the end of the death wish sequence from grand theft auto 5 because <laughs> they're all standing over the trunk with the guy inside of it and then my brother says Actually, it also kind of reminds me of the Last Man Standing episode when Ed kills an eagle and they go to dump it. Oh my god! (laughs) Oddly enough, though, I think Ed may have had the same car in that shot, or at least a very similar model.
3: Yeah, could could have been a tilt to that to that movie. Um, Um, but yeah, no, it's I don't know. It's there's just so much to love with this movie. It was really well done absolutely and and i really enjoyed all the artistic choices uh the color was actually kind of cool they play play with lighting a lot um you know keeping some bright lights keeping some you know orange glow uh, depending on what they were doing it always tried to paint the family in a good light and then it wasn't until like you started getting into the the gangster underworld that the lights started to get darker you'd be in like a like a darkened bar room kind of thing, and it was always a little bit of darker yeah. shades. You realized exactly
2: how much of the family dynamic was a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what it was really that. cool. I mean, Polly's really the only one that honored that whole thing throughout the entire movie. The whole family ties thing. Mm-hmm. He never betrayed anybody, um, even though he definitely could have. At many points, uh, like when when uh, Henry comes to him after he gets out of jail the second time,
4: mm-hmm.
2: right, and he gives him the three thousand dollars, right. I felt mm-hmm. that scene. I thought that scene was so well done, and it illustrated in a lot of ways that I know that we mentioned earlier, like the old and the new coming to blows.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: But rather than Tommy representing the new, I think that Jimmy represents the new mob in this movie, whereas Polly represents the old, old country Italian mafioso. Well,
3: tradition. It was he was a traditional underboss. Yeah. Whereas, um, Jimmy was an up and comer trying to prove himself. A guy, a guy who would never go any higher in the hierarchy. Well, he Before. couldn't because he unfortunately for him was not at all italian full-blood italian he was he was a halfie he was he was irish and italian Mm -hmm. so he couldn't he couldn't go that far Uh, and even in even in today's mob you can't go that far uh, because it's still alive and kicking and they still have the five major crime families Mm -hmm. Uh, so i don't know it's it's interesting but, I don't know. Yeah.
2: All right. Um, I think we should give some final thoughts and scores. I mean, I, I think, think he we're about already about
0: gave to... his final thoughts, but I don't know if you
4: <laughs>
2: Oh, wait. Everybody else did already? No, no AJ, AJ did. did. Listen to
0: what's oh, yeah. coming up.
4: <laughs> How okay. drunk
2: are you, right? Fine. Not at all. I actually dumped out my alcohol. I'm just going to drink iced tea water. Because <laughs> um, that combination was not a winning one. Um, excuse me um what's he gonna say i'd probably give this movie uh five
0: stop you give your final thoughts first and then your score
2: right fine hey i give it (laughs) fuck fuck it this movie is very well executed um but it's also very well uh Shit, I forgot the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's executed well and conceptually it's strong, which I mm. think a lot of movies, even movies based on true stories, just don't have both in spades. This one does. Um, I definitely would be giving it a five.
0: Still in a freaking system anyway.
1: All right, Kyle?
0: My final thoughts on the film, um, I'm definitely not really one for watching dramas because they're slow and kind of drawn out, but you know, this one was okay. I don't think I've seen any other Martin Scorsese movies. I think this is the only one I've seen thus far. And you know what? I probably watch some more, although, you know, two and a half hour runtime is a little too long and the Irishman sounds intimidating at three hours, but, uh, um, only shot well. It, the story keeps moving, even though it seems like it takes a while. But um yeah, you're kind of like, oh, where does it go next? But then it's like, oh, they're covering a span of thirty years, so you know, in <laughs> twenty five yeah. to thirty years.
1: You, oh, that's right. The system. <laughs> yeah,
0: fuck Dick, the system. Jake's the only one who fucked up. What's your thought? Well, I mean, the
1: nature of the film is fuck the system. Um. <clears throat> Uh, to to paraphrase Jeremy Clarkson, when discussing several several automobiles, this is brilliant. I absolutely one of the best films I've seen as of late. Absolutely phenomenal, and I had seen like bits and pieces on TV over the years. Like, oh, you know, I've been meaning to watch Goodfellas. Oh, it's halfway through. I can't finish it now. Um, so for me, finally getting to see it all in full was great to see the full masterpiece. Um, and that's exactly the word for it. it, is a masterpiece. Absolutely recommend watching it.
0: And now
3: we give scores. AJ, you start with your score. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the overall well done, uh, fantastic. Only thing that bothered me was it's a little slow start, a little long. Uh, but me, I like that. So, uh, if I can give a perfect score, I would say um, –
2: do it was almost quite it, there.
3: Do it. It was more like a – Don't four, do a 0. .5. 4.75. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can't see it right now, but AJ is flipping off Jake as a matter of uh, a little bit of a fuck you. Yeah.
3: So, now I'd say it's definitely – it doesn't quite deserve the five for me because there could always be room for improvement. Uh, but it was awesome. Recommend watching 100%.
0: Um I give it a uh let's say a four point five
4: out of five. No distance
0: <laughs> kind of jake. Um yeah, there's always room for improvement. Thankfully there were no points in the movie where I was like, Why didn't they just do this? Like it would have been so much easier. Like it was a really, you know, thought out movie, so um, I can't give it any lower of a score than that.
2: Um, since uh, I already gave my score, can I ask a question? What? Because this is a, bothered me in reviewing systems across the internet.
1: I'd like to give my score first, oh, but okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. I thought you already did. <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Do it. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> you know what, Jake? Just say your score real quick again for the record. Five out of Bye. All right, done. All right, your turn, Ryan.
1: <laughs> um, I got to say for me, I give it five full pints and a Sambuca Chaser.
3: Really? A Sambuca Chaser?
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I give it five full pints um, because it was a damn good movie. I mean, yeah, there were uh, there were a couple of points that uh, were, like Kyle said, it kind of felt like we're kind of left hanging like Karen's narration. Um, but, I mean, it is five full pints, but there might be just a little bit in the bottom of the last class that you weren't able sure. to finish all the way. Go, go ahead. Say 4.5. It's all right. Well, it's not a four point five, and it's not a four point seven five either. There's just like that little bit last of beer that's just gotten it's, warm that you can't finish. It's a
0: four point nine nine. Anyway, that has been it for this week's episode of Pizza and a Pint. As of right now, we're putting on an episode every single week for the next nine weeks. Well, I guess after this episode, it's seven more weeks. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna keep going after that anyway. So. Um, You could catch us on all your favorite podcasting apps, whatever you use, even the weird ones. Um, We post our episodes every Friday. So, yeah, finally get to say that. (laughs) 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 This has been Pizza and a Pint. We're finally home, signing off.
1: Cheers. Bottoms up, folks.